Get ready for the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin. Each week featuring a candid and raucous conversation with some of the most innovative, outspoken, and entrepreneurial business minds in the world today. This is the Very Visible Business Podcast, and here's David Averin. And welcome to the Very Visible Business Podcast. I am uh, thrilled to be here today with one of my, my good friends, somebody that I have, have known and admired from afar for, for some time. And we've had a chance to connect recently. As a matter of fact, I was on her podcast, and the amount of response I have got from those who had heard me on Jane Adkinson's, I'm going to get this right, the, the Wealthy Speaker podcast, is that it? That's it. That's the one. Okay, I want to make sure I get I want to get that right. And we're going to do the, the formal introduction. We'll have a chance to uh, to chat with her. But um, as an expert in the speaking industry, Jane Atkinson has been helping speakers catapult their career for nearly 30 years. She's the author of The Wealthy Speaker 2.0, The Epic Keynote, and The Wealthy Speaker Daily Success Planner and Journal. Prior to coaching speakers, she worked as an agent for several speakers whose careers skyrocketed. Jane also served as vice president of a speakers bureau um, in Dallas, where she represented several celebrities, best-selling authors, business experts, and now she is in, you're in Toronto, aren't you? I live in London, Ontario, which is London, right Ontario. Toronto. There you go. So she will, she will apologize um, frequently throughout no. this podcast <laughs> because she's very, you know, as a transplant, that's, that's my other question. If somebody is an American going to uh, Canada, do you, do you adopt that? That, that's it was not... the other way around. Oh, I was I a see. Canadian who lived in Dallas for six years. So I have a very much a balanced level of apology in me. There you, <laughs> there you go. So you've got some of the Texas swagger mm-hmm. balanced with some of the, the Canadian apology. From finishing up, Jane's Wealthy Speaker University offers online and private coaching programs and live events for speakers at all levels, helping them position to gain those almighty higher fees. Jane, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be on your show, David. You know what? I am excited to have you as well. And for those of you listening who are not speakers, which is probably most everybody, uh, we're not going to talk about just the life of speakers. Um, but for, for many of us who sort of share our wisdom from the platform, um, from the stage, from the front of the room, uh, I think we, we sort of have a handle on what's going on with, with information sharing, with, with what's going on with, with the meetings industry. When are we getting together? When are we not? How are we sharing information? So I want to talk to you a little bit about, about your business. Before we do so, give us a little bit about your background. How did you get to where you are? And, um, and then I want to talk about how, how do we see things changing? I mean, clearly, so much has shifted online. But those who I think are, are prognosticating, you know, the, the death siren for, for speaking or traditional meetings, I think are over exaggerating. But I think it's relevant for everybody in business. How do we continue to learn and grow? Who do we get our information from? So give me a little bit more of your background. Tell us what you've done uh, in the past that got to where you are today. Well, I actually had a very similar start to Scott Stratton. He and I both watched a PBS uh, video of Les Brown doing his Live Your Dreams presentation on, uh, and I recorded it back then on VHS, and I watched it over and over and over again. And I, at 25 years old, I had never even seen a motivational speaker before. So it completely changed the trajectory of my life and career, David. I didn't really know. I had done a lot of different jobs up until then, but I had never planted my feet in the sand in any one industry. And so uh, looking back now, it's almost 30 years. Uh, first, I was a representative for speakers. I um, 
I, I was the business manager for uh, a leadership expert here in my hometown. Then I got recruited out to Vancouver, worked for a multimillionaire a magazine magnet out there. Then I got recruited down to Dallas and worked for an Olympic athlete and then went on to work for a speakers bureau. And at the end of that 15 year stint, I had a really good handle on business and what sells in our industry. I, I kind of understood it. So I set up shop as a coach and came back to Canada. And so for the next 15 years, I've been building my own kind of small business. And uh, first I thought of myself as a coach and now I've evolved into thinking myself of myself as a business owner. And I think that's something that uh, I've been thinking about a lot. You know, do you think of yourself as a speaker or a business owner? And I think that we're all just in business and we need to maybe how we deliver on our goods is uh, just one piece of the puzzle. Well, and you know what you and I had talked about this before in your podcast as well is the recognition that even in the speaking world, speaking is not a business, right? Getting the gig is the business, right? The, the speaking is the deliverable. It's, it's the content sharing. And even for those of us who, who speak for a living, I mean, we're business experts. We're not speakers first. That's just the mode of delivery. We, mm -hmm. we talk about that. We are, um, we sell, um, strategy and content and wisdom and that wisdom can be delivered across a variety of platforms. Yeah. Right? And so for people who maybe aren't in our industry, they could be thinking about what is their special brand of wisdom that they might be able to uh, translate into books or courses or whatever it might be. Even people who are CEOs probably are thinking on what the next chapter is and what well, well, and the, the funny thing is 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 it really kind of goes both ways is that that we're looking to glean information as we grow as we guard against disruption from books from seminars from audiobooks i know a lot of people that will listen to podcasts as they run or things i don't mm -hmm. really understand it i mean i mean the running part i, I understand <laughs> the podcast I run when, when chased, um, but the, uh, uh, but also for, for many who are, who are senior in their, in their positions within organizations, they're called upon more and more to, to stand and deliver mm -hmm. and great organizations like Toastmasters and others give people a sense of confidence. But some of us who are sort of in that different place, we're literally traveling. You and I were talking before we got on air that I'm, I'm actually running out this afternoon to get vaccinations because I'm heading to to Dubai and, and Oman, and I got to make sure my typhoid and my hep A and everything else is, is up to date for some of the international travel. But what was interesting for you, and there, I've talked to a lot of people in the sort of the information sharing world and the speaker world that we talk about, there was some catalyst for them, whether it was a Tony Robbins, whether it was a Les Brown, whether it was a Mark Sharon Brock and others as well, who they saw early on. For me, it was Eric Chester and, mm -hmm. and others who I just thought, that's unbelievable. But so many of them, Jane, say, I want to be that person. I want to get up and, and inspire an audience and teach. And you were more like, I want to be in that world. Mm -hmm. I never, ever wanted to be the person on the stage giving the big speech. And I'm not saying that that'll never happen in my career because it would be a stretch. It's something that I like, okay, well, I'll put it on the vision board just because it's a stretch. Right. But that's the only reason for it. I don't actually covet that. What I love is just business, you know, doing deals and um, seeing things grow and seeing people uh, expand what they, what they think is possible. And um, what I recognize actually, David, in my new definition for my business is what I'm selling is confidence. The, the confidence for that. someone to say, okay, you've got everything that you need to charge this fee. 
And, and even when somebody, let's say you are a CEO going out to uh, sell something, I, my, my favorite saying in the last year has been clarity equals confidence. So you're going out to give a speech as a CEO, the, the less clear you are on what your vision is that you want to get across to the, you know, the more change that you have made in your company, it, the more difficult that clarity is going to be and the more difficult it's going to be to stand really tall in your message. Right. And so I really believe that I'm in the, in the confidence business and the more that I can help people scrape away all the noise of this industry, and I'm sure every other industry has the same problem, and really get down to what it is that they want to do, avoid all the squirrels and stay on path, that gives them confidence to then say, this is what I do to the client. You know, when you right. can really just say it, in the first 10 seconds of your conversation with a client, well, this is how we help people, and then go on from there and start asking questions, that, con that clarity equals confidence. And but but let me ask you this, but doesn't that clarity also come from just really knowing your subject, really yeah. knowing what it is that you're imparting? Because in most places, even, if, even for those who are consulting, um, we're, we're teaching, we're, we're synthesizing their challenges and we're, we're spitting it out and here's potential solutions. Here's ways that you can go. And right. when you know your subject, people get so hung up on the mechanics of it mm -hmm. and there's no shortage of colleagues and bless their hearts and others who will teach those aspects of the presentation style. But I think people get so lost in their head about how they're doing it that they forget about what is that they're teaching and people get and we, we we know this in our industry right they always say that sometimes the biggest uh, the biggest fear the classic fear is is getting on stage because how are they being perceived and everything else and i say and i tell people i say don't even think about speaking just teach them teach them what you know but know what you're going to say beforehand understand how I and mean, if you're a true expert I, I talk to people i say do you ever get nervous when the phone rings like you, you don't know what you're going to say and they're like no and i'm like of course you don't because you take the conversation as it goes, right, right? Right, yeah. And I think that as you were talking about clarity and confidence, I think it comes from not being a poser, knowing your stuff, and getting out there and teaching it. And you don't have to be a speaker, a professional speaker, to impart your knowledge, to work with clients. Yeah. Um, but I think that's part of, of, of you helping them strip away the noise, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the, the very beginning of the whole process is called Pick a Lane. And so when yes. you, uh, and that a part of that is stripping away the noise and really not trying to be all things to all people. When we try to be all things to all people, I think we end up being exhausted and we not end up not being great to some of the people because there's somebody else who could do that particular thing better than us. Right, but it, isn't it also positioning ourselves as a specialist and not a generalist? Mm -hmm. Yes. You really yeah. know everything. There's somebody else who knows one part of that better than you and they're gonna be a better choice. Yeah, and when you have, let's say in our industry, there's a list of presentations on your keynotes page of your website. Right. And, and when, they're, when the list- really, really long, you know, if, if, the, no. if the joke is if your presentations list is longer than your client list, then you're in really big trouble. But if you have 10 things, then even though I may not be thinking about it consciously, subconsciously, I'm thinking to myself, can they really be good at all those 10 things? No, no. no it's, and, when you when you so go to be really a, good at something and yeah, then you drop the rest. Chinese restaurant and they have, you know, Chinese food and American food and something and something. It's like, 
none of it's going to be great. But we, yeah, we go to these websites saying specializing in team building, leadership, mm. time management, motivation, sales mm. training. It's like, no, you're, you're not yeah. going to get hired for it. But, but that correlates. Let's shift that to, to people who are in business. But they're not in, in our business. Mm-hmm. But our business isn't our business, is it? Our business is content and brand and direction and strategy. We just deliver it from the stage. So let's shift that to those who are listening, who are in business in terms of um, being that specialist, in terms of being that best choice. What have you learned in working with people for the last couple of decades about the power of that specialization? I think a lot of people don't recognize what their own secret sauce is. Like as a, let's say you've advanced in your company up, uh, up and up and you're landing yourself in a, in a leadership position or perhaps as a CEO and you kind of know how you got there, but you've never really stopped and analyzed it. I think really understanding what makes you a unique human being and what your true strength is, is then what will help you get to that next place of whatever it might be and for some ceos the next place will be landing over here in our world because they want to come out and start um, speaking professionally because they've done it so much in their career but don't you think that knowing what your secret sauce is is something that people maybe not don't analyze quite as much as we might over here well you know what but the answer is yes but i think there's a real balance and i and i think you would agree with me on this is that it's not just what we want to say, it's what they want to hear. And, mm. and, it's, and it's recognition is what's sellable in the marketplace. You and I encounter a lot of people in our business, a lot of we'll call wannabes and bless their heart, good people who have, because somebody told them, oh my God, that's a great story. You need to go be a speaker. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that somebody's willing to pay to hear what they have to say. It's, I, I always talk about saying, take who with money needs to hear what you Right. Offering. And it's not just about your story. It's about here's what I do and here's what it means to you. Yeah, that, that's why relevant, that relevance is so important. We talk about it coming to the crossroads where passion and profit meet. Yeah. Because what you're passionate about, if nobody's willing to pay for, then we've got to move on to a different crossroad. And right. so that's the goal. And we have this whole focus forum in the book that uh, helps people go about it at a, at a deeper level than that, putting numbers next to it. But really what it comes down to is passion and profits. Those are the right. most important ones. Right. But, and and there, there's a lot of people who have, I mean, all you have to do is go online. There's no shortage of people who want to spout off about something. Um, I will, I mean, in, we're in a challenging time, certainly a, a polarized time in, in, in American history. Mm-hmm. And, and I always, I always wonder, and it's just as an aside, um, I understand that people have deep philosophical feelings about politics and religion and everything else. And they have every right, certainly in our first amendment in America, they have every right to, to say what they want. They're insane in my mind, if they go on these long rants online and they have every right to do so, but do you make enough money to piss off half, half. of half. half, arguably half of the people yeah. are going to believe something different? I, I don't. I don't make enough money. That I don't I'm either. say a peep about any of it because it is, okay, I might feel passionate about it and maybe I do want to be heard, but I know that there's a cost 
And that's, a, that's just an unfortunate um, situation that we find ourselves in today that we're just so completely polarized that, and, and, and it's hap it, your politics are up here at the Canadian dinner tables too. Oh, of course. Because Everywhere I travel in the world, but everybody wants to know. Yeah. They, they want to know about Trump how, and they want to know about guns. How do you do it? Like what, you know, and, and yeah. there's a lot of things. I came back to Canada post 9-11 and I left at the Dallas Fort Worth airport and there were men with machine guns at the airport and yeah. I cried getting onto that plane. I was sad to leave Dallas, but I was, I was scared to be, you know, even flying out of there. And, um, coming back to Canada where there are less guns and what have you, uh, you know, it just gave me a little bit of pause, right. but, um, but, but let's talk about it as, as it pertains to business. Cause here's a really interesting dichotomy. And, and I'm curious as to whether you agree with me is when it comes to politics and to be clear, I have, I've got opinions about all of this. I just don't wear them on my sleeve because it right. does not benefit me from a business perspective. However, and once again, I'm going to ask if you agree with me, Having a, a, a harsh, not hard, a hard, clear stance in business that may not appeal to everybody, but if it appeals very well to your audience, right, can be very beneficial. Um, I talked about this in one of my books as well. Is there's there was a um, um, Maxim magazine was to to be clear, certainly very testosterone driven. There is you know, sexy girls and whatever else. But their, their slogan was the best thing to happen to men since women for their magazine. And, and I'm not endorsing the magazine, but I was saying as a strategy, if that doesn't appeal to you, you're not their audience. Right, right. But the people that do can make them sufficient revenue. Now, of course, the printing industry is all different now. But if you look at radio shows, for those who are the people who are very successful are the people that don't say, here's, here's what's going on. What do you think? They say, here's what I believe. Yeah. Agree or disagree. It's Dr. Phil. It's Dr. Laura. It's Rush Limbaugh. And they're going to, and they're going to surround themselves with Galvanize people who audience. believe the same things that they, right. and, and their audiences are probably more, um, more loyal because they've drawn their lawn and line in the sand yeah. you know whether you like it or not what some of the companies have said they've said this is our line in the sand and they've taken a stand on one thing or another and said um this is this is who we are so then they create some very loyal fans but then they lose a lot others and they they just have to weigh the risk as right. whether and or that not Right. But do you see what's happening? And, and I know we're going to date ourselves a little bit in terms of timely, and we want these podcasts to be timeless. But what happened with, um, uh, was it was it ESPN? No, what was the magazine um, that, that did the, the campaign with, with um, Colin Kaepernick? Mm. Um, they just, anyway, Nike. they did. Nike, right? So Nike just did the new campaign. Of course, other people, there's videos of people burning their Nike shoes mm -hmm. and everything else. Yep. And their numbers have spiked since. And they had the, they had the conversation. They're not they're not idiots. They had, they made the calculus that if we right. take a stand, we're going to attract more people than we're going to repel. Right. So that can be a very effective strategy in business. It definitely can be, and I think that if you do it, you have to be eyes wide open and brave about it. It's when we have speaker buddies who are completely turning off half of their client base. I don't know that many people that in our world 
that would want to, uh, that can afford it, okay? Right. If, you're a, if right. you're not a celebrity, in my mind, you probably can't afford to tick off 40% of your audience. Right. So, no, anyway, and I agree. And there, an but there's some people, there's some people, yeah, but there's some people who've earned that right. You know, we look at some mm -hmm. of our colleagues, Jeffrey Gittimer. Is, Larry Winget. Larry Winget. He they didn't care. Right. Well, they don't because the people who, who want that frank talk yeah. um, is a profoundly large market. Yeah. Um, but, but, but conversely, those who are in the very touchy-feely realm, who have titles with words like joy and passion, I mean, they're knocking off a big part of it because it's not seen as fundable, mm -hmm. as tangible. I tell people that one of the, 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 you want to kill a potential keynote, use the word joy in your title. Because from, from a strategic standpoint, right, we may be having strategic planning in our organization. We're going to fund disruption and develop our leaders and build our sales. Joy isn't one of the things that you we're You know what, though? I want to challenge you on that you because I have a friend, Libby Gill, who you might know as well, and Libby is hanging her hat on hope. And I feel like that it may not be one thing that you might think is the hottest seller, but I think people are going to find her because that's what they want and need. So right. I, I actually think that, um, I think if you can be brave enough to carve out your path in whatever your word is, as long as you can find markets and micro markets for those, then you're good to go. Well, and if you, if you can find a way to monetize it, and, and monetization has to be in the minds of your prospects. If they see, I can make money on that. Because there's others who, that I know that you've worked with, and we can talk about this, mm -hmm. that have sort of bucked the trend. And Kendra Hall is one of the people that, that I'm thinking of as well. Mm -hmm. she, has, she is one of your protégés. She has been phenomenally successful, one of my favorite speakers. But she talked about storytelling. Well, storytelling can, of course, be seen as something soft. Yeah. It's not. I mean, that's how you now, connect. It, that's how you and, make and actually, I wanted to mention that when it comes to, you know, say you are a CEO, and just go out and teach what you know, but add those stories to it to lock it in because that's what's memorable for people. So what Kendra isn't selling is storytelling. What Kendra's selling is persuasion and all yep. of the things that come Absolutely. from storytelling. And so she's actually made it a cool thing that I, I feel like the market wasn't even as ripe for it as it is now because of her. Well, so she's carved out her own path in that regard. Which well, is here's cool. what's interesting. And I, this, I think, speaks to your brilliance in working with her as well. Is not only is she a wonderful presenter and a brilliant storyteller in her own right, of, of what you've done to sort of help her recognize how you um, affect that decision-making for the people who are hiring that subject matter. Because even when you go to her, I was looking at her, her preview video. And for those of mm -hmm. you li look, listening in right now, it's Kendra. Let's give her a plug. K-I-N-D-R-A, Kendra Hall. Um, and look her up. But on her preview video, talk about challenging conventional wisdom. She goes a minute, 10 seconds before you see her speaking on stage. Who in the hell would ever advise somebody, but it so works. Who would advise a speaker saying, okay, do your speaker preview video, but go over a minute and they never see you speaking on stage. And until you're that made. wasn't my advice, by the way. I wouldn't, I, I probably wouldn't have given her that advice, but when they showed me the video, it I works. said, well, I think this works. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's a it, beautiful it, thing. And it does, it bucks what we think is the norm that people want to see you speaking on the stage. And and I think what she has 
is the ability to draw you in without what kind of we would think as being the normal parts of a, of a video. Right. And um, she, well, she she's brings drawing you in, you in story, with story. And so she's yeah. actually masterfully doing what she, she's practicing, what she preaches. And that was all her. I really don't take a lot of credit for Kendra Hall. You know, I steered a very, very already moving ship. And she started to have, at first, she said it was like trying to uh, push the rock up the hill, you know, trying to get the business. She sent out all these emails, thousands and thousands of emails to people to say, hey, this is why I think I might be good for your conference. So that's pushing the rock up the hill. And then very quickly, it shifted to the rock chasing her down the hill, the boulder. And so that's where I came in to say, okay, here's how you want to protect your time. Here's how you want to do, you know, deal with these bureau conflicts that arise and pricing and, and gave her the confidence to keep raising her fee and she I mean really it's 85% Kendra already came to me already intact and it's just these little tweaks that she needed help with but I, it's all her yeah but it, it's fun watching um, for you and I because I, I'm I'm on the other side I mean I, I run a little boot camp that I do a couple of times a year just to help colleagues but this is what you do I'm the guy on stage. I'm the guy who's consulting. I'm the guy who's speaking. And it's interesting sort of watching it from my perspective, the shifts that I've seen in the marketplace, the expectations in terms of, of ROI, which ROI, is which yep. really significant, yep. um, especially as we look at coming out in the years following 9-11 and just the... the That's when everything changed. Decimating the industry. First of all, nobody was flying for a year. Nobody was having conferences. And that was Mm -hmm. difficult for the industry. But -hmm. there was a profound shift in terms of expectations of content delivery. When you look at that standard motivational speaker being mocked on Saturday Night Live, right? You know, with what's his name living in a van down by the river. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. Stuart Smalley as well. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then there was a real shift towards hard content. If we're going to justify mm-hmm. flying our people out, doing it. But let me ask you if you're seeing this as well, because you, but you were much more on the planning and the hiring and the whatever side as well, is I see the pendulum swinging back to a, a place of balance. They want hard content um, to get people to show up at meetings, which is harder and harder and join organizations and associations. They want the hard content, but they want them to be, entertaining they want mm-hmm. ross schaefer and 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 uh mark Sharonbrock yeah and, and dan thurman and what he does and they're they're really combining hard content with a very engaging david Averin. i'm just saying mm-hmm. very engaging Absolutely. presentations and uh ryan estes is a good um yep. person of that and and where he gets the biggest uh, feedback from his audiences is when he talks about the feel good stuff. Yeah. He talks about his dad dying. Like that is the the thing that just puts his speech right over the thing. Yet he is a hardcore business guy. He loves business. He was a sales, you know, a VP of sales at a big ad agency. And so um, the feel good stuff is really important. And I would say motivational speaker is also making a comeback. Yeah, I think so too. I think, I think, they want their people to leave conferences feeling good. Um, I don't think, I, I still think those people who are pure cancer survivor, mountain climbers. I think by and large, most of them are struggling a bit. I think there's some killer presenters in our space. 
But a lot of those, if there isn't a hard connection to here's what it means to you, because what I found even with mine, and I've made a shift, um, uh, I, I do marketing, but I've made a shift towards customer experience. I've got my new book coming out as well. But as I've designed my presentations and my consulting as well, there is a real balance. There's some very funny stories. People will you know, bombard you afterwards and they want to tell their version of your story. Oh my God, this happened to me as well. Right. Um, and a lot of humor, a lot of self-deprecating humor because I'm a tall guy. I've got a deep voice. So when I do things like, you know, with my kids, like, dad, everybody knows that, right? They, I use it very strategically to balance a pretty tough message. Mm -hmm. What's happening in, in terms of competition in business, it's tough right now. And so the last thing they need is me yelling at them for an hour. So I'll use that humor as well in, in terms of uh, communicating that. So let me ask you this, as you're working with us now, do you work with, with CEOs and others who aren't necessarily speakers for a living, but they have to stand and deliver as part of their job? Do you no, do that? No, that's not really what I do. I really help people with the, their business. And so I have written a book called The Epic Keynote, and I do have some clients who uh, they want to build a speaking business, so I will help them with their speech. Right. But if a CEO just was going to keep his job or her job and didn't want to start a business, then I probably wouldn't help them. I would send them off to Kelly Swanson or somebody like that. There you go. Talk to me more about your business model. You and I have talked in the past. We've, we've connected at conferences, but you have so many things. <laughs> you, you and I have talked about, okay, we got to work we together. Wanna we do, we, we want to do, do things together, but and, it's and hard. I, to and find I think we're time. good in about 2023. I think yep. there's a, a date in August of 2023 yeah. <laughs> where we can find some time to do something. But tell us about the various aspects All right. of your business. Give a little plug so, for that as well. We actually have three buckets for our business. Um, the emerging speakers who come to us, people who don't know a lot about the industry and are just getting started, they go into our 12-week uh, online course. And um, the follow-on from that is what's called the Wealthy Speaker Sprint, which is a place where people go for accountability. It's a... Um, it's kind of a, uh, a community that we're developing. So that's for our emerging speakers. And then we have this middle level who's maybe intermediate speakers, people who we might be charging 10, but they want to get to 15 type of thing. And uh, they come into our inner circle mastermind course, which is a year long program. And we meet them uh, a couple of times a month. And then during our live events, uh, we also bring our inner circle in. And then there's the VIP clients who are typically a seasoned speaker who really wants that one-on-one -on -one attention and they'll come and do private coaching with me. And they also will attend our live events as well. So we'll do um, probably one, maybe two live events a year. And I'm trying to kind of scale that back because as you know, putting bums in seats can be a challenge. And um, I think doing it too often isn't necessarily um, a good Agreed. thing. Yeah. So um, we're going to do one live event in February in uh, Florida because I'm going to be in Florida for the month of February anyway. I take my mom down th there for a month. And um, so that's, that's about the scope of it. We try to have something for everybody, but we don't try to be all things to all people necessarily. Tell me, that, what do you see in terms of, of the shift in the business? And the business uh, of speaking um, has real relevance to business in general because how they're connecting, how they're, how they're gathering information. 
when they're meeting, who they're meeting with, um, right. how, how much less frequently. I mean, we know a lot of, there's a lot of conversation in the association world about how do we engage and recruit and retain members who right. are, are, there's a whole shift with millennials. What's, what's the shift as you've seen it as, as it pertains to your, your clients? I think I've seen a lot more community being developed not in necessarily in live events, but coming off of live events, for instance, I think that um, we're going to see more and more virtual, like we're seeing with these Zoom meetings. And what I'm thinking about for instead of having that second meeting a year is I'll do something virtual and we'll have, you know, we'll be like the Brady Bunch with a hundred faces on the screen and uh, be able to talk to people and have like a virtual half day conference instead of a full sure. one. Now that doesn't mean that people are going to start up hiring speakers. And I think what's really neat is um, I asked this to the speakers bureaus that were at um, doing a session at NSA not too long ago, you know, what are some of the cool things that you're seeing people do with, um, with technology, you know, they'll hologram a speaker in. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Which is cool. I think that that's a neat idea. And there are, it's getting that the technology, I think will just keep getting better and better that we could potentially stay home to deliver our presentation. It still makes me a little bit nervous because I'm so highly interactive in my programs that yeah, well. I don't know that I could do it comfortably yet. Um, but I think that that's, uh, I think that the meetings industry, they've gone back to having the big juicy budgets that they once had, right. but they're asking for different things. You know, here's the topic that we need to be addressed. Sure. Motivation and energy and all of those things need to be layered on, but we need to prove to our shareholders that we're spending this money wisely. And so I, I think our budgets have all come back, but, um, yeah, they had they have that ROI element now that they didn't you know, have before. It's interesting. Some of the prognosticators and the futurists were talking about it's all going to be Jetsons, right? <laughs> my Jetsons car impression. That's good. <laughs> um, but, but one of the things that I see, and, and I think there's a balance. I th it's easy for the futurists the, to, to say, oh, all of a sudden we're going to lose our, our ability to interact face-to-face. I don't think that stuff's going away. I think that even the organizations that used to do three annual meetings may go down to one annual meeting. Mm -hmm. And instead of going multi-channel, I think we're looking at a future of omni-channel. I think mm -hmm. everything's going to be available everywhere instead of just different ways. I think every way. I think there's meetings that will be held and you can go in person um, because people still want to have, as we all know, sometimes the best conversations happen in the halls between sessions. Yes, right? yes. And that's not going to go away. Yeah. But there are going to be those who will, and I've done three times in the last year, they streamed me live to other audiences, other um, offices for the same organization, but I've got a live audience, but it's also available there. This podcast yeah. example, um, people can watch this um, the video of you and I together. Mm -hmm. They can yeah. also be listening to Yeah, we're getting more choices, I think right. is what you're saying on how we actually uh, eat up our content. And, and look at this um, flash briefing thing. Um, so you have a podcast. You could also do a one minute flash briefing that, and I don't want to say her too loudly because she'll start talking to you, that Alexa can then take and you can check a box that says, yes, I want David Averin's, um, what is the name of your podcast again? 
The very visible business. The very visible business. Check. I want to hear one minute from David Avron every morning when I am hearing my good morning uh, session. So uh, I think that the I think that the menu of options is incredible, and, and it's only just growing. Keep going more and more. I mean, streaming. Obviously, we know that is gone crazy, and uh, will really be changing. The, and, and disrupting that industry, the but way also that being able to act, being able to access this when we want, whenever we want, forever. Exactly. Right. Which is which is what we're doing here as well. Hey, what yeah. a super treat it's been uh, to chat with you. Listen, at the end of it, I always do a lightning round. So, quick questions, quick answers. You ready? Oh, I'm afraid. If yes. You could be any kind of adhesive surface. What would you be? And, no, that's, <laughs> not, that's not it. Um, <laughs> A post-it note. I don't I, know. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Duct tape. I, all right. Jane Atkinson, what's the best part of your job? Oh, uh, getting to learn from super smart people. I agree with you as well. What do you hate seeing speakers do? What just makes your skin crawl? Try to be all things to all people. Yeah. And tell the starfish story. <laughs> and tell the starfish story. That's probably making a comeback too, though. It, it is actually, I, I got, I got grief from my brother. My older brother posted, of course, he's not in this world. He doesn't know that everybody tells the starfish story. If you're listening and you don't know the starfish story, just Google starfish. Just Google story. Yeah. You'll, you'll know what it is. Um, yeah. And this, I put, I said, it's the most overused and mocked story. And I got assaulted by 50 people said, that's a wonderful story. And Only was, in our <laughs> industry is it overused and mocked. That's exactly right. That's and, right. and new speakers, everybody does it well. Um, uh, What's your most gratifying, successful client that you've had? And I know you don't want to play favorites. We love all of our children equally in different amounts. But what's okay. kind of a so cool story that you like? Let me go way back in time to when I actually was given the task to manage Sugar Ray Leonard's uh, speaking career. Wow. Okay, so here's a boxer. He's been hitting the head a time or two. But he's a nice, nice guy. And... Um, teaching him to make it about them and not himself was a big thing in his world. And he yeah. actually became a really good speaker. And so I would say that my teeny tiny little, you know, uh, he probably pinged me off like this and his lawyer hated me because I, I thought his lawyer was complete unethical jerk. But anyway, right. uh, Ray was a good guy, and I think That's that a, he learned how to, to – to have a celebrity who learns how to not have it all be about them is just, like, it's a cool thing. What, what was interesting about that is you think about it, is that's part of the culture. That's part of the intimidation package. I'm the greatest. It's about, you know, right? I flew like a butterfly. But the other ones, it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bust you up. I'm going to eat your children. I'm going to whatever, right? <laughs> and so that's fascinating. That's a great one. All right, here's a uh, – Switching gears, what's the best part about being a grandparent? Mm. And the fact that you look like you're 28. Well, I'm a stepmother. Okay, okay, so when I, I became a stepmother and a G-ma all in the same day, I said, well, I need to be called G-ma because grandma at 42 didn't quite fit for me. Okay, that makes more sense because I look at you and I know you and <laughs> um, I'm like- I'm 54. Having... I mean, I could legitimately be a grandparent, but I didn't have any- Children, so um, uh, uh, we have this little baby Zoe who's about a month and a half old right now, and just holding on and just looking at her. The best part about being a grandparent 
is kind of knowing what your role is in their life. Like, I know that they have all these other grandparents too, because there's a two, two kids from divorce. Sure. So I know that my role is going to be different than the one who's going to teach them how to bake and things like that. That's never going to be my role. My role is to be a strong female business owner that they see, Hey, she makes a lot of money and um, you know, she can do all these really cool things as a result of that and teaching them the value of, hard work. I think that's my role. So I think, I, I think that's the coolest thing ever. That is the coolest thing. I don't yet have grandchildren. I, I can't wait, but I, I already know my role. My role is going to be covering them with grandpa spit and just <laughs> chewing, on, chewing on the back of their arms and kissing the back and nibbling oh, on their ears. They smell so good. <laughs> Do they not? It's the thing I miss the most because my kids are, I mean, my, my son is, is, you know, I mean, my, my youngest is 240 pounds. My middle daughter is six foot one. I miss carrying him up to bed and smelling yeah. her hair and all that. All right, but we're getting way off subject. Hey, if people, wanna, if people want to learn about Jane Atkinson um, and your book, The Wealthy Speaker 2.0 and others as well, where can they find you? They can find me at speakerlauncher.com. Speakerlauncher.com. Outstanding. And your podcast, which is uh, huge. Mine is young and burgeoning and growing. How do they find? How do they find you on on the uh, on iTunes or Stitcher? Uh, they can they can find it on my website as well. Um, but it's called the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, and or you can search my name Jane Atkinson, and uh, you will find it. Perfect. What a huge thrill and a treat to talk to my friend. We talk anyway, but actually talking over video and audio for so others, fun. others to listen in is a nice thing as well. Big thanks to Jane Atkinson. Um, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. We are, of course, thrilled to be on C-Suite Radio. If you want to learn more about me, go to visibilityinternational.com. If you have an idea of people you want me to interview in the future, you can email me. Information is on the website at visibilityinternational.com. And we will, we'll talk next time. Thanks. For past and future episodes, be sure to subscribe at theveryvisiblebusiness.com. You can also learn more about David Averin's keynote speaking and consulting at visibilityinternational.com. Connect with us on social media and check out David Averin's latest book, Visibility Marketing at amazon.com. This has been the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.